Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. This is K-Wad Radio, and this is Patty Holstrand. And yes, we are on live. I'm sitting here stuffing my mouth for the last second here. <laughs> and we're just so excited to be here today, since we've got Tina on the line. Oh, she's there. What can I say about a woman who just, just keeps writing really awesome work? I mean, you know... We're going to talk about a book that we just got out, but before that, we're going to talk about some of our other works. Bohemian Row, she had uh, recently, you know, about a year and a half ago, became the accidental writer. And since then, she hasn't stopped. She hasn't stopped. She keeps running. She's writing, and she's a crazy woman with a pen. <laughs> Are you there, lady? I'm here. <laughs> You're a crazy lady <laughs> with a pen. <laughs> <laughs> or with a keyboard. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Although I've seen you with your pen uh, writing in your organizer, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I am a bit of an organized freak. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably how you get so many, so many books started and, and then you actually finish them. No, you're one of those yeah, that when you're finished with them, that's it. That's it. You don't want to. <laughs> yeah, it, I I am not one of those people that wants to keep going back and fixing it. It's when I'm done, I'm done. I want to be. I don't I never want to see it again, type of thing. So. So how much time does it take you about to to finish a, a decent sized manuscript of I don't know maybe 300 pages? Um. Gosh, it depends. Uh. Bohemian Grove, I think, was my easiest one. And it's funny because a lot of people say your first book is your hardest. Um, that was my easiest book. And I think it's because when I was writing it, I wasn't writing it with the idea of having anybody actually read it. It was mostly just to get the story out of my head. And so I was just writing and writing. And I didn't, you know, I didn't care about uh, if the plot fits or any of these things. It was just to get the story out. So that one took me probably about three months to write. Uh, from beginning to end, and uh, Clusters is one that I've been working on for a good year, and the reason why it's taken me so long to write that one is because there's so much research involved in it, and so much that I have to read on top of trying to write, so that's one, that one's taking a long time, plus I'm writing in between, uh, you know, <laughs> taking breaks and writing at the same time, so it depends, it, anywhere from three months to a year, and I think Apocalypse took a year and a half, so, and that one wasn't even that long, so it just depends on the book. Well, now, to be fair, Apocalypse took that long because you, you went back and it started as a novelette, and you, you decided, you know what, uh, you had enough people who were com- really wanted more, more meat there from you, so mm-hmm. you rewrote it. Yeah, I, I rewrote it. It started off as a novelette. Then, you know, I got a bunch of emails and 
every, in all my reviews said we want this expanded. So I turned it into a novella. So I thought I would be done with it with the novella. So it went from being you know, somewhere from six to 10,000 words to being a 17,000 word novella. And I thought that was enough and then got the same thing back. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll do a full-length novel. And it was really hard to do because I was mentally done with the story. So I had to go back and try to expand it without losing a lot of the edge that it had. And I think that a lot of the edge that came from it was how fast and quick it was. So my mm-hmm. biggest struggle yeah. was trying to make it into a full-length novel without losing that quickness and not putting more into it than needed to be. So it was a little bit of a struggle. Yeah, but you got it done, of course, right on the wire. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and in between that time, when you're saying, well, you know, you've been working on clusters to you know for a year, and you're you're working on other stuff in between it. And so let's talk about that stuff in between it. You got you got Sungate, which is the second book in the Bohemian Grove mm-hmm. series. You'd be so proud of me. I actually got that right. Yeah. <laughs> and, I'm impressed. Uh, <laughs> and so that's, that's a pretty meaty book right there, you know, the second book. Yeah, that, now, that, one, uh, that one was another quick one for me. That one, I wrote Bohemian Grove, and I went right into Sungate, and I didn't stop. And I actually got signed with my first publisher halfway through Sungate. So... It was literally back-to-back. So I think Sungate I finished in a few months as well. So that was another quick one. Um, And that one came out in November last year. And then um, I had had the Melanie King Affair, which was written under Lisa Samil, which came out. It was kind of a mini-series online. Um, That came out while I was writing Apocalypse, and Apocalypse came out in May of this year. And I didn't really have that many books come out this year, but I feel like I've just been nonstop writing. So it's, it's a weird conundrum. Well, you've had other things you're working on, and of course you're rewriting. Yeah, you know, when people don't mm-hmm. consider that, and the fact that you know you rewrote the, the book uh, for the apocalypse, and that is actually, and then you still have Dan Dead Winter, which is a, which is mm-hmm. a smaller little book. And mm-hmm. so you know, we've been busy putting together these books. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and and, re, and redoing things. So, uh, but then you decided, okay, we're gonna. Uh, AZ Publishing picked up your second and third book, which you're you haven't started your third one yet, but you've got it kind of planned out. But then mm-hmm. you said, okay, let's you know move Bohemian Grove underneath the same house. That way, we'll remaster everything all at once. Right. I was really lucky to get the rights back to Bohemian Grove, which is something I've been wanting for quite some time. And oh, the main reason I wanted to get the rights back was so that I can go back and fix it. And um, I don't feel – I've, I've had a lot of author friends say just walk away from it and leave it alone. And you know me. If I'm done with a book, I'm done with a book. And I was never done with Bohemian Grove. And I, I really felt like it wasn't up to the quality as my other two books. And so I was really happy to get the rights back to that. And now I'm in the process of kind of cleaning it up and re-editing it and and rewriting parts of the story to just make it a much better book so that when Creative Anu comes out in November, it can all come out together and and it'll be one cohesive trilogy that kind of, I think, is up to par with what I'm I'm writing right now. Well, I know. I've seen all three covers, and I have to say that they really look like Uh they flow and they really look like they're part of a series. I'm very, I think that, yeah. Very pleased on that. My, my genius of a cover artist, Jason Valerio from Platinum Footage. I'm, you know, everybody knows I'm loyal to him and love his work. He did, 
he did all the trilogy covers. Um, he also did uh, the clusters. He kind of did the clusters cover. He, he fixed the clusters cover is more what he did. Um, he's done my book trailers, and so yeah, and he's um, he's got some good stuff coming up for. Uh, we have a couple of horror books coming out, and so we're we're both really excited about that. We actually have it completely planned out what we're going to do with the the trailers and the book covers, and it's I think going to be some of his best work. That's awesome, and I have to say that I think they they he's done a wonderful job of it anyway. Yeah. Uh, Purple Smackers wants you to know they rushed home today to make it so she so I could listen. Another she I guess it's she or he I'm not sure. Purple Smackers, I'm not sure if you're he or she, so well, welcome. We're like happy to have you uh, listening to us. They wanted to let us know. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So it, it's a good timing. And of course, uh, Arizona, I mean, hey, we're happy that we didn't have any storm today, so yeah. here we are <laughs> without a storm today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was pretty crazy. So, on your process, okay, because mm-hmm. you know here we've got you've got a good chunk of of fiction books that you have here. Let's talk about your nonfiction work because you know here you here you have written the uh, your sales and marketing book. Let's talk about that. Yeah, that was one um, that I've actually had a few people ask me to do that because my background is sales and marketing and not writing. So it's kind of interesting that I started off with fiction and written quite a few fiction books, and then in the end we're like, oh, let's throw in a marketing book in there. Um, That's my background. That's my expertise is business and marketing. So I really wanted to put some of that into a book because I have a lot of people that ask me questions, and I kind of just wanted something where they could have something in their hands, especially since I'm kind of getting away from that industry and really focusing on you know being an author and stuff, so I wanted to to leave something with a lot of people that I think would help them, and I think there's a lot of authors that can benefit from it as well. So I wanted to put that in the book, and one of the things that I approached marketing with was I don't approach it um, the straight and narrow way. I kind of do it in a very almost abrasive, blunt way with my marketing. It was kind of what I was known for is. I am very honest with my clients and stuff, and they kind of know what they're getting, and they appreciate that in the end. And I'm usually honest with other sales uh, salespeople and say, you know what, this isn't easy. And I, I kind of right off the bat, if somebody's interested in the industry or the sales industry, I tell them right off the bat all the bad stuff that's going to happen and, you know, to see if they still want to do it. And so that's kind of the approach I took with the marketing book. It's called The Good, The Bad, and Ugly of Sales and Marketing. And I did that on purpose because – I want people to understand that a lot of these sales and marketing books that are out there, which I love because I've read most of them and, I, and it's helped me, but a lot of them really are motivational books and they really kind of inspire you to go out and get you excited about going out and marketing. And then what happens is somebody goes out and they, they do whatever they're doing, marketing or talking to people or trying to close the sales, and then all of a sudden reality hits and it's not as you know, you know, as pleasant as they thought it was going to be because that's what they read in the book. In my book, I do it where I'm kind of like, this is kind of as bad as it's going to get. If you can handle that and you're looking at it and you say, I'm ready for this, and I feel like people are better prepared to go out into the marketing world and they kind of brace themselves because they know that it's not going to be you know, all, roses, you know, all roses and coming up sunshine and that sort of thing, and they're kind of prepared for it. So I took a different approach with it, and I've had a couple of people in the industry read the book, um, kind of what I had out there, and they really, really liked it. 
And it's definitely not dry. I put a lot of humor into it, kind of my own humor. Uh, and by no means comedian, but there's definitely some stories in there that I think people will read, especially if they've been a veteran in the marketing world. They'll read it and they'll they'll get it and they'll say, yeah, I know exactly what you're you, you're talking about. I've been in the trenches, and so it's going to be for somebody who's brand new, never been in marketing, all the way to the veteran who has been and seen it all. Well, that's good because uh, one of one of your people in chat here said a person uh, she's a person who knows nothing. Absolutely nothing about marketing, so she's very excited to read this one. So yeah, I've had uh, I have had some people who aren't even interested in the marketing world who said that they're kind of curious to read it because they've heard me talk on sales and marketing and kind of say things that they didn't expect. So it's interesting because I'm kind of curious to see how the non-sales marketing people are going to take it because um, you know usually it's the people in the industry that are reading books like this, not you know you have the demographic. And they're the ones that are going to read it. It's not like fiction where it's like, oh, I'm going to try a horror book. I'm going to try a science fiction book out and kind of venture out. People who yeah. read this genre, that, they're looking for that. So That's true. But then again, there's a whole lot more people reading nonfiction. So, That's true. You know, it's, uh, it, it's going to bring people over that didn't know that you wrote fiction. So it'll be good. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they're going to think when they read my sales and marketing book and then read something like The Apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, just warning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. We're also trying something new with your sales and marketing book, and that is to try it as an audio book. How, is, how do you feel mm-hmm. that's going? Uh, I'm excited about doing the audio book for the marketing book. Um, I, I've been pushing back on audio. I've had a lot of people, a lot of my readers ask me to put my other books into audio, and I've been pushing back. Um, I, I guess it's me being biased. I'm a reader, and I love reading books, and I like creating that world in my head, reading the author's words. And I feel like when you have an audio in between, it kind of takes away from that experience. And, but I also understand that there's a lot of people who really just don't have the time to sit down and read a book, and the only time they get is audio. So I thought this was a kind of a great compromise because I think when it comes to nonfiction, um, it, it's something that makes sense because you can listen to it in the car, you can kind of turn it off and you don't lose anything. And, uh, and I'm the one that's actually on the audio, so they're hearing it from my own voice, which makes sense because I tell my own story. So it would be kind of weird to hear, you know, a guy telling a story about what a woman went through in the marketing world. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited. I think it's going well, and we'll see what the feedback is on it. Yeah, I think that, of course, packaging. Let's talk about packaging. I mean, you know, it's important mm-hmm. as, a, as a marketing uh, person that you – that you take all your different products, your 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 print book, and then you're going to have your audio book together. So, and of mm-hmm. course, obviously, e- ebook as well. But I think that the audio book is going to actually do very well in that particular, uh, especially in nonfiction. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I think it's I think it's going to open up kind of a new market that I hadn't had before. I mean, besides the nonfiction. Um, and yeah, I think it's you know the more you can get, the more fishing poles you can have in the water. The more fish you have, chance more chance you get of catching fish. Um, Thank so, you. you know, maybe I'll get some <laughs> more readers from that. Yeah, <laughs> that's one of my that sounds analogies. like something I would have said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's definitely true. And it's it, and so here's the other question: You're writing different genres at the same time. How do you mm-hmm. find that to be? Uh, how can you do that? I I think this is. I don't have any challenges doing that. So it's probably 
you know, I think, you know, you, you hear people say, well, writers are a little crazy. I think that's where my crazy comes in. Um, I have no challenges jumping from one to the other. I was actually writing, uh, you know, when I was writing my marketing book, it was making it a goal to write one chapter at a time. And so I'd write the chapter, and then I was like, okay, I finished my goal. So I would jump into either my romance books, which are coming out next year, or I was jumping into clusters. And if I got a chapter done in the romance book, then I would go and jump into clusters and write a chapter there. And that's three totally different genres and it was just as long as you know I have I put on music that kind of goes with it and just put my mindset and just get lost in my world and right away and it's it's not that hard to do at least so do you have have different songs for each of them then oh yeah I am my music completely shapes my writing I you know when I was writing the marketing book I was kind of listening to just music I like because it didn't really make a difference uh, I try not to listen to anything dark because I didn't want my marketing book to get depressing. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, with my romance book right now, it's taking place, it, you know, moves through time, but it's taking place right now in the, in the late 20s. So I'm listening to, like, Charleston and a lot of, like, the big band stuff right now when I'm right, listening to that, and it really gets me in that mood. Uh, when I was listening to Clusters, I actually had one album I was listening to, and it was just really kind of this violin, depressing violin. It sounds really sad but it was a really kind of dark music and, it kind of, and you have to listen to the right music because if I'm listening to something upbeat mm-hmm. and writing something that's like a mystery kind of would pull away from it so it just depends on the book I'm writing um, and I post my uh, playlist on my blog for my readers and they seem to really like that too <laughs> well I, I got excited this morning and started uh, throwing up some rock and roll on on Facebook so uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> you get the music and and you get this uh, certain uh, it gets a certain mood, you know. Mm-hmm. So so you've got Absolutely. a new book, and uh, mm-hmm. we have a special guest who's waiting for us on the on the other line, and then I talk about that particular new book, uh, the one that we're we're talking about today, down the rabbit hole with you, and so <laughs> uh, it's just Silent Wonderland. Uh, tell us how you got started in this. What I what I would call an alternate alternate fairy tale um it was a dream i had which is not new for me because i have a couple other books that started from a dream and it was a dream that i had i had this dream where there was a centaur knocking on lavender walls and the scene if you read alice hill in silent wonderland you know exactly what scene i'm talking about and that was my dream it was exactly that scene and I woke up and I was like, I've got to write this down because how often do you see centaurs knocking on lavender walls? It was just such a weird. <laughs> I, I have no idea what was going on in my head when I was sleeping. And or what you were eating that night. <laughs> I know. Yeah, and it's probably nothing weird, so that makes it even stranger. But I had to write this scene down, and um, and the other and there was another part of that dream where. I was driving down the road, and there were these, um, you know, these crows, and they were kind of, you know, like squawking at me, and it was the scene and stuff, which is what the book opens up with. So I had two scenes in my dream that went into my book, and I kind of just developed the story from that. And I don't know why I turned it into an Alice in Wonderland alternate story, which is something that seemed right when I was writing it. And I don't, I don't plan my books out a lot of times. I just start writing it and see where it takes me and that's where the story took me and you originally wrote it you know before and we remastered it with a brand new cover and some artwork mm-hmm. inside and we've got a mm-hmm. special guest which is the artist for your cover yes and so, <laughs> so 
So let's talk to, let's pull Megan in. Hey, Megan. Hi there. <laughs> we were talking talking about that book and how she she had you know dreamt a lot of a couple of the scenes in the in the book. And so, how did it get to be where you know you hear you're doing the covers and mm-hmm. uh, what kind of uh, ideas does she give you in order to uh, in order to create that cover? Well, what was great is, you know, I had the story to go from, and um, Tina gave me a lot of creative freedom uh, in terms of, uh, you know, I was able to conceive my my version of Alice, what I saw as I read the book, and then we both kind of collaborated and see which ideas worked and which didn't. And um, for Alice, um, you know, she comes from a poor family, and I liked the idea of, uh, on the cover, making her dress seem as if it was hand-sewn with her little mismatched buttons and um, tattered from wear, so that seemed appropriate. Also, the the color of the hair is different. Yeah. Um, right away, I think one of the first conversations that me and Tina had together, I'm like, well, how do you see Alice? And she said, immediately, dark hair. So that's where we kind of went from, you know, a traditional, I guess, blonde Alice to a dark, ebony-haired Alice. Yeah, my original story had yeah, my original story had her blonde and when we were talking about remastering it, it was I was picturing her as with the ebony hair and so we went I went back and changed that in the story and collaborated with the the cover on that. So I think it works better with her being having dark hair. Yeah, Yeah, I I mean when I was reading it it was Yeah. (laughs) Go ahead, Megan. Oh, well, as I was reading it, I saw that, you know, Tina had said she was blonde, and that was after we had met, and I'm like, uh-oh, better tell her, better change that. <laughs> but as yeah. far as, uh, you know, other aspects of the cover, um, her dog, Rabbit, you know, I thought I would throw a little Lewis Carroll nod by having a, a pocket watch as his dog collar, mm-hmm. just little things like that, yeah. Yeah, little, that was Megan's idea, and I loved it. I, you know, and she's like, "Oh, let's put a, put a little dog collar with the the clock on it," and I was like, "Oh, that's that's perfect." So, there's definitely one of the things I like about Megan's artwork is that you watch, you look at her artwork, and you keep looking at it because you find new elements in it, and I really like that from. You know, because of kind of how Alice Hill was. She thought it was like the perfect marriage because all her artwork, you keep looking at, you find new pieces, and I really wanted to have that in the Alice Hill cover, and that's why, you know, she was asking what my ideas were. And there was a couple of things that, I, you know, I really wanted to see, but mostly I wanted to see her interpretation because as an author, it's kind of fun to see how people see your characters, and especially when you have an artist doing that, you really want to see what they can bring out of that character. And so I really wanted to see what she can do and, and what she came up with. And when she, when she drew Alice, I was like, I, I literally squealed. I was like, oh, my God, this is so perfect. <laughs> and so I was really excited. <laughs> and then we have the gate. So with the different elements on the gate as well for the inside of yeah. the book. Yeah. Um, for the interior, I thought um, kind of having the elements interact with the gate, so having the uh, Matt Hatter's hat impaled on on the spike of the gates and um, rabbit's collar kind of entangled on there and the ravens that I thought I would make more, uh, or crows, sorry, uh, more 
kind of elegant, whimsical, with the, you know, their fat bellies and swirly wings. And I think we deem them now Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After she drew the 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 you know the crows, because in the book they're described as fat-bellied crows. She drew them. They became my favorite piece of, of her art, and you know, and she had two on there. I think there was originally three, and when she had the two, I was like, "Oh, that's Tweedledee and Tweedledum," which I didn't really have in the story. So we took out the third crow and we made right. we nicknamed them. So there was actually parts of the story that got developed from the cover itself, from her artwork. So yeah. it's become a com- we completely intertwine both the art and the story. Yeah, and that will make that's what makes it you know so fun to work on that. Just my illustration kind of inspired her, like my story or her story inspired me. So we have a couple people on chat. Uh, one of them says, uh, "Love the artwork. The prints available for for this are wonderful." And the other says, "The cover is perfect, perfect for the story. It is beautiful, and definitely love that you find different things within the picture each time you look at it." So thanks, Great thanks to uh, the chatters out there who are giving us input. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, I mean, and the whole cover, it was probably one of my favorite scenes in the book is when Alice wakes up in uh, the Queen's Garden and everything starts decaying around her and, you know, the brittle flowers uh, breaking apart in her hand in the wind, and I, I wanted to bring that to life on the cover. Yeah, Megan, yeah. Um, when she called, she said, you know, we had a couple of scenes that we were thinking about for the cover and we weren't really sure and then she described the the scene that she was thinking of, and we both kind of were like, "Yeah, that's the scene that needs to go on the cover." And we were, you know, we were both on the same page. And so it was, I I can't think of a better scene to put on that cover. It's one of my favorites from the book, so I was really happy with it. Yeah, definitely glad that we agreed on that. Yeah, that's uh, and again, it made the story larger. Uh, it gave it more depth to not only you know create some characters that we could see and uh, yeah. expanding, you know, making it more, the book, you know, just more meaty. Yeah, and I think it was a really kind of a good tribute to Lewis Carroll, um, you know, because the book mm-hmm. itself isn't, Alice in Silent Wonderland, I think for a lot of readers who haven't read it yet, isn't primarily Alice in Wonderland. There's a little bit of the looking glass and stuff in there too. And it, it was really kind of, you know, when when Megan came on board, it was, you know, when we were doing the border and stuff, it really got me excited because I was thinking back when, you know, Lewis Carroll was writing the books, you saw a lot of illustrations in the books, and we don't really do that anymore. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of more of a tribute to Lewis Carroll as well and in a really modern way, and I thought that would, made it more special as well. Yeah, and that's what yeah. I loved about the project, because I was a big fan of that growing up, and... So for me, when you know, when I was told I could do a border, I really wanted to make a beautiful, ornate border, a la Lewis Carroll book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing is that I, you know, I, that I said I think that each uh, artist has a special uh, way about them that is perfect for that particular book and uh, making them specifically and and her uh, whimsical yet quirky. <laughs> and a little dark, and a little, and a little yeah, dark. Definitely. <laughs> it, it's just well, you know, my whole brand, uh, Dirty Teacup Designs, is all about mixing um, the macabre or quirky elements in life or in human nature, mixed with something kind of beautiful or feminine. Because I, I love dichotomies and things. I think human nature has a lot of those, so I like my art to kind 
about both things. Exactly. And and you kind of already had the whole idea, thought of you know the, the Alice Wonderland thought anyway. So I said, well, this this seems like a really good marriage. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think we did. Yeah, you know, again, the, the collaboration it worked out really well, and I think you you, you got a, a really solid, nice piece piece of work there. And uh, people, I think, pick it up, and and from what I've seen so far. Um, Find more value because of the because of the artwork. So yeah, you know, that thing that did worked out well. Oh yeah, and people have that one. I have uh, sold it at events. People are really receptive to it, and they love it. And that always makes me feel so wonderful as an artist that people actually enjoy I'm curious what to I see, meet, so. I'm curious to see how well it does at a comic con. Oh yeah, I'm sure it'll be. <laughs> I'm definitely we'll there. Yeah. <laughs> We'll find out. We'll find out. Alice is a very popular character, and even though this is a very mm-hmm. different take on Alice, I think people respond well to that. And it seems yeah. to be allowed. It seems to be allowed. I mean, you know, um, darker version of Alice have already been out there, so I think yeah. that it's really, really allowed that, you know, because of that particular world is dark, I think, anyway. Uh, right. Even the yeah. Disney version, I thought, was dark uh, compared to, you know, it is. Not really meant to yeah. be a children's fairy tale. <laughs> yeah, I mean most fairy tales. Yeah. Oh, hey, they're they're dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you look at nursery rhymes, if you look at the origin, you know where nursery oh, yeah. rhymes really come from, it's you know some <laughs> of the stuff that we're coming up with nowadays is so light and airy, and the stuff you know from maybe a century or more ago, they were so dark. So it was almost it's, it's almost like we didn't I didn't even remaster it. It was just a different kind of story, and it was just using you yeah. know more modern times. So yeah, it, it has dark elements to it, and um, you know, and I pulled Alice into the story, and I think a lot of people try to take Alice and make an alternate Alice story where I pulled Alice into the story. So it was a little bit different of approach, I think, than a lot of people yeah. take. And, you know, so I think it worked. Yeah, so for those who, you know, want to be able to see this particular remastering of, you know, we definitely had the book coming out. Uh, we did a soft launch in August uh, at the author event, and we're going to be putting that again in, into print format as well as ebook soon. As soon as I figure out actually how to keep some of this artwork inside, so <laughs> <laughs> and not lose anything, it's, that's that's the trick that I'm working on right now. So, hey, that's that's great. I'm just excited that that it worked out and that uh, and, and you got a really solid piece of work there. And I, I, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing something more like that. Oh yeah, I I definitely love to be a part of future projects with. Uh, Tina, it's been a really fun experience. And there's some posters that you guys have put together as well. Tell us about that. Yeah, um, we have a limited edition of 150 Alice Hill posters, and uh, they're for sale um, on Tina's website as well as uh, my website and Etsy. And um, it has uh, they're individually numbered and they're signed by us. So it's a really special thing, and because it's limited, it makes it even more special. I heard yeah, that they're somebody really has nice. some, odd, some even numbers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have <laughs> the odd numbers. Uh, I have the odd numbers, and Megan has the even numbers. 13 is my lucky number. Go figure. 
and so I wanted to take the odd numbers, uh, and she she was gracious about it. But the posters themselves, they're really, really nice quality. They're not, you know, like your flimsy posters. They're kind of thicker, and they have this really nice – Megan's probably way better at explaining this than I am, but they yeah, have really they nice Yeah, they're a really beautiful Strathmore paper that has this gorgeous, almost – velvety finish even though it's matte and it just it makes it look so rich and it really complements the art well and even the story it makes it the print is very storybook like yeah it is somebody online said my limited edition print looks beautiful on my wall everyone should get one yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they should. what a great marketer <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, this that's great. It's great, and the colors are are you know they're not too dark, um, but they're just you know deep enough. You got some you know. Yeah, I, I felt colors. they needed to be a little muted for the scene, um, mm-hmm. because it would you know the whole scene is the whole garden's becoming dark and decayed and everything's dying around her. So I knew I couldn't use really vibrant uh, light colors like I normally do in a lot of my dirty teacup designs are. Um, but I still used a lot of those same colors that I love using. I love using a mint green, and um, so I think that's uh, why me and Tina yeah. decided that Alice's dress would be really awesome if it was mint green. Yeah, because Megan has a background in fashion, and so when we're talking about Alice's dress, which I don't describe in the book, so we really had a lot of freedom with that. Um, she asked me, she goes, "What's your favorite color?" And I said, "Mint green," and so she was. You know, we were both excited because it was a color we both wanted to use. So (laughs) I think we had fun designing the dress. It was, you know. Oh, I had so (laughs) much fun. I mean, right away I had my own idea um, uh, for the Peter Pan collar and the little pockets. And um, Tina mentioned to me about uh, the style that she was thinking. And I'm like, oh, I think a double-breasted bodice would be really great and it would showcase the mismatched buttons that I really wanted to do and making it seem like, you know, uh, Alice's mom had to find whatever buttons she had around to make distress. <laughs> yeah, and it actually brought in kind of an uh, another element into the cover that's not in the story and it, it tells its own story where, you know, they, she does come from a very, very, very poor background. You know, it's a, it's a mining family, and her mom, you know, kind of, it shows that her mom makes a dress, and it has fashion elements to it, but, you know, they have a mismatched button. So it says, you know, here's her mom who's trying to make a better life for them, but, you know, you're limited to what you can use. So that, you know, that's brought into it. Um, another piece that we put into um, the, the cover was that she has a gold bullion around her wrist, which is a big part of the story. And so she has that around her wrist, which we don't describe in the book, but, you know, kind of gives it that, oh, that's where they went type of thing. And um, one of the things we also put in there and, you know, was that she has an envelope in her pocket. And that's not in the story. And the reason why we wanted to put the envelope in her pocket is that it's an invitation to other writers and authors to expand on the story and create their own story from it. Because I do have a lot of readers who are still asking me to expand the story and I just won't do it because I'm done with the story. So that's kind of the compromise <laughs> to invite other authors to do it because, you know, I've expanded one story, but this one I'm done with. And so it's that invitation from me to other writers to say, hey, you know what, let's let's take this and see what you guys can do with it. Yeah. 
Exactly, exactly. You know, the little bullion I thought would be, you know, so important to Alice that, you know, she would keep mm-hmm. a little reminder of it on her. Absolutely. And I think that you gave enough characters in this story uh, that, that that people can expand on it, and some that weren't even in there, like you said, Tweedledee and Tweedledum, who, you mm-hmm. know, hey, we want to find out more about, you know, the the other characters that you, you, you may not have put it in there. Um, right. And, and make it slightly different. Which we'd like to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so definitely, we'll look, be looking to do uh, an expanded uh, some some other editions, new stories from oh, wow. the Alice Hill uh, in 2015. Mm-hmm. So we, we won't want to do that yet. <laughs> <laughs> Not <We're> too me. Busy. <laughs> My schedule's a little packed right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, September and October is a really, really busy time, but it's exciting. I mean, fall is my favorite time of year. Oh, definitely. I, I like to see how well these gonna, are going to do for, for the holidays. I'm excited about it. Yeah, perfect stocking stuffer. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, you have Halloween stockings, whatever tickles your fancy. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's that's an interesting idea. Huh? <laughs> right. And your Halloween stockings. Stuff them with Alice Hope. <laughs> Just oh man, I gotta write that down. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, too much, too much, too much. Got too many creative people around us, and it's just awesome, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so we're excited that uh, we got that story done, and, and we can definitely move on and, and get some other things, uh, can in like I said, in order. Um, thanks so much, Megan, for coming on and, and talking to us, because, you know, it's You're a really welcome. important part of there's a whole new depth to the story when we can find out, you know, how the artist was seeing it. So thanks so much for coming Thank on. Thank you, and Megan. How did they get a hold of me? How did they get a hold of you? Oh, the best way to get a hold of me would be at my Facebook page, which is just facebook.com slash Dirty Teacup Designs. And I also have an Etsy shop, so just look up Dirty Teacup Designs on Etsy. And I also have my website, dirtyteacupdesigns.com. So you can always get a hold of me and what events I'll be at on Facebook. Um, I do lots of local events, and I think my big next convention that I'm doing is Tucson Comic Con. So there you go. Well, we'll be there yeah. too. So we're yeah. gonna we'll be just you know we'll be having fun together there in, in Tucson. I don't know how they're gonna handle it. Oh, certainly. <laughs> I mean, like you know, just this month I'm working on some Halloween themed pieces. Um, for my domestic oh, yeah. book collection, limited editions, so that'll be awesome. And uh, I'm doing some fashion valors for my fashion villain collection, which is like they're classy, murderous versions of uh, classic horror movie characters turned ladies. So I'm excited to awesome. get that on. Yeah, looking forward to seeing your new stuff. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And uh, so, uh, and of course, anybody, if you're having trouble finding her, you know, uh, and you, you know me. Uh, get on KWOD Radio or, or Facebook page, and I'll, I'll, you know, hit you up and and send you on over to Megan. Awesome. Thank That's the way you. it works, Grant. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, right, you got it. <laughs> so we got we've got the the 
fairy tale idea, uh, you know, off and running. And we got your nonfiction. Yes. And, of course, you just finished writing your nonfiction, although you've got a couple other chapters that you want to work on. Um, and, of course, we already got the cover, so, you know, and we're working on an audiobook, so we're, we're pretty close to rock and rolling on that one. So Yeah, that uh, one's right around the corner. And we're going to put all three books, all three books are going to be available at the end of November for you know, Thanksgiving weekend. So Black Friday, guys. Black Friday, think Black Friday, get all three books <laughs> remastered and together the way they were meant to be. <laughs> yes. The Bohemian Grove Trilogy. Home, trilogy. Home, yes, exactly. So we're excited about that. And so we've got some solid stuff that you that you know you can get from Tina um, for the holidays and, and you guys have something to read. I know you're just you're just dying to, to get some a hold of some of this stuff. So you know we're working on getting uh, all of this is going to be our very first uh, book internationally uh, went out today, and that is the apocalypse. Yeah. I can't tell you how excited I am about this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one this one's been this one's been our problem child from the very beginning. Jeez. <laughs> oh, no, uh, and it wasn't so much the book itself. It's, it's just that, uh, you know, it was we're trying to get it done fast, and then and then it just took so long to get into the system. So we're so happy that it, it's there finally. And, uh, and you know, we're ready to rock and roll because that's only the beginning. So, um, uh, yeah, so people can great. finally get it in ebook too. So that I know a lot of people have been waiting for that. So it's actually finally going to be available in ebook. Exactly, and that one's easier to do than the, <laughs> than the uh, Alice Hill one, which I'm it's like, oh, okay, how am I going to do this one? So, you know, <laughs> it's, it, always figure it out. We always figure it out because, you know, that's, that's mm-hmm. the name of the game. It's like whenever you're something new, you just got to gotta try some new things, and then you figure out how to do it. That's the way it is. Yep, that's right. And and then you can do it over again until they change the rules, and you have to do it over again and try <laughs> find out again how to do it. So uh, that's the way it is out there. So I'm so excited. Is, did, did we miss anything? We've got your um, romance I, coming out next year, but we don't really want to talk yeah, about we that. Have... So. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the romance because... is coming out. We have clusters, um, children at the window. I have a new Viking series coming out. So there's there's new stuff happening um, so that's exciting because the trilogy's done, and uh, I don't know which one I'm most excited about, but there's definitely some fun stories. I have definitely a couple of horror books coming out, which is Children at the Window is definitely on the horror side. Um, my Viking series is going to be a, a, on the horror side as well, so it's going to be a Viking horror book. And then Clusters is a mystery. Um, so, you know, we've got the dark elements on the book, and then we have the fairy tale series that's coming out, which is, um, I believe we have two of the short stories that will be out in 2015. Yeah. And so it will be kind of in the Alice Hill which, bundle. Which, is always, and then, which always is a surprise to me. <laughs> <laughs> she, she just kind of threw, threw the third one at me last night. So <laughs> I know we talked about it, but I didn't know we, we didn't, hadn't put it on paper. So I didn't know we were going to do that in 2015. But we'll do it. Uh, no, it's on paper. I think. 
I, we just didn't have a name for it, and I think that was one of the things. We didn't have oh. a name for the short story. Right, so, right. Um, it, it was, one, the one was supposed to be in the beginning of 2015, um, which was the, the Jekyll and Hyde one, which was supposed to be at the beginning of 2015, and so right. the end, and that's what switched, was that one got moved to the end, and this one got moved to the, to the beginning, which is the, the dark Robin Hood story. So, right, so um, I just switched those, shot those around on, on timing. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, her tra- schedule is like that. She does, she does that. So I was like, oh, I, you know, I think I'd like to write this. And <laughs> oh, it's hard to surprised. keep up with. <laughs> so yeah, she just kind of throws those things, and it's just it's just fun to be around you because of that. Uh, somebody said so. Well, very this one was your clusters. fault. This one was your oh, fault because oh. we were talking, and you mentioned you you called me a temptress, <laughs> and then yes, all of a sudden I had this idea in my right. head. So I'm blaming you. Yep. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, that one's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> See what happens when you call people names. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> they they turn it into a book. Well, yeah, that, there you go. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's kind of funny because I know that we were talking about one other one. You said you said no, no, you weren't going to do that one. Uh, and then I I said yeah. Here I was wondering why was I giving you any more ideas because you certainly didn't need any. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah, and then we talked about something else. And you're like, okay, don't turn that into a book. I'm like, no, I'm done. We're good. Yeah, because I like that one. Yeah, yeah, you can take that one. So somebody said uh, she felt very excited for clusters, but also mm-hmm. excited to see what happens with the fairy tale books. Those will be fun. Yeah, the fairy tale books are going to be they're they're going to be fun and you know one of the things if you guys haven't read Alice Hill it's not an Alice in Wonderland story, um, it's just it it really just kind of brushes certain aspects of it, um, but it really is its own story. It doesn't really follow the Alice in Wonderland story. It really does its own thing, and that's one of the things I'm going to do with all my fairy tale stories is that I'm going to take the public domain ones. Um, and I think I have an idea of what the other ones will be as well. But I'm not 100% on it. And kind of touch a little bit of the twisted elements of the fairy tales and bring it into the story. So um, it will be interesting. But Clusters is my baby. That's the one that I'm putting a lot of um, my heart and soul into. And I think that's going to kind of be not my masterpiece, but that really is my baby of the story. That's the one I've been been really working hard on and and putting a lot of work into it and really trying to do it justice because it is based on a true story and I really want to um, give that true story aspect of it the justice it deserves. So, you know, I've been working really hard on that one. I think we can probably already uh, tell people about the, you know, what's coming out in January. No, Mm -hmm. February, sorry. February, February, beginning of February. Beginning of February. And um, in hardcover. In hardcover, I'm so excited about that because I really always wanted to see one of my books in a hardcover, and I think this is the perfect one to do it. And it's, you know, if you guys have seen the cover, I think it's it's really simple, but the cover speaks volumes of the story. And it's based on true stories. It's based on true events. And they are based on cases of the missing people. Um, over the last century and a half, there's been thousands of people that have vanished unexpectedly from national forests here in, in the United States. And we're fi- learning now that not just the United States, but different countries. And 
it's um, it's these cases are really uh, mysterious in that they don't make any sense. They, there's uh, maybe three or four elements that they all kind of combine. It's similar in all the different cases, but uh, you know, there's no chance, if there was any chance of these cases where it could have been a mountain lion or somebody went missing on their own or there was foul play, if there wasn't even a hint of that, these cases got thrown out. So what was left were these thousands of cases where people truly just vanished kind of, it almost seemed like out of thin air. And so I wrote the story. Um, we, of course, don't know what's happened to these individuals to this day. And I wrote this story based on these true events and kind of came up with my own conclusion. And, you know, in the, so the conclusion is, of course, this, the, in the story, but at the end of my book, I let my readers know that just remember that this is my conclusion, that the story is still unsolved. We still don't know the answers to it. So I kind of let them know, you know, come up with your own ideas because these are real cases of the missing. These are people who have really vanished. And there's a lot of families out there that are heartbroken about this. And, you know, there's a lot of devastation around it. So, you know, I wanted to give it justice. I didn't want to make it into this, you know, cheesy thing because this is real stuff happening. And um, so that's why it's become my baby. And I'm kind of been, you know, making sure I, I treat it well. And, um, so hopefully, you know, people love it as much as I do because this is there's been a lot of work that's been put into it. Well, I saw your map, the the one with the uh different locations and and where as you say, the clusters of mm-hmm. people that have gone missing. I just amazed at at how confined they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, in general areas, I mean, it's like a pattern. It is, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's my book takes place in the Pacific Northwest, which is where the largest cluster of missing people have been. And it's um a lot of my stuff has been from listening to coast to coast and listening to some radio shows with David Politis, who was the first person to really kind of uncover what was going on and he's covered these cases extensively. And and I've kind of reached out and read other books that kind of covered it as well and um, I have a friend who her son went missing. She lost her little boy as well. So this really touches home for me. And mm-hmm. I do. Ha- I have the map because, you know, I'm trying to keep track of everything as well. And the biggest cluster is in the Pacific Northwest. So that's where my book takes place. It takes place in Washington primarily. Um, and it takes place kind of in Spokane and um, Crater Lake, which is up there in the Pacific Northwest. So it's such a really beautiful setting because it's such a beautiful part of the country. But at the same time, that's kind of melancholy because it's so beautiful, but there's so much depression and sadness that comes around this whole thing. So it'll be interesting. Uh, somebody who said, as uh, a purple smacker said again, uh, such a creepy phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it definitely yeah. a creepy phenomenon. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing we really need to remember is that these are real cases. We really don't know the answers to this. And, you know, when you get conspiracy theories, I think a lot of them are people kind of come up with their ideas and stuff. But this is, starts off with really factual information. When we're studying cases and police reports and talking to rangers and forest rangers and stuff, and, you know, families are interviewed and they're sharing their real heart felt sorrow and they're you know and one of the worst things that can ever happen and one of the things is that it's not just you know it's the people that have gone missing have been everything from two months old up to 90 years old 
Um, and one of the things is that the biggest nightmare, the worst thing that can ever happen to a parent is to lose their child and not know what happened to that child. Yeah. And yeah. it's and sometimes when I've been reading these cases, um, I I will read the case and uh, you know c- several of them, and I will literally have to put the book down if my son's sleeping, go into my son's room and just give him a kiss and a hug because you just really appreciate people around you. And so this case, this. The research I've done for clusters has really been draining. It's kind of really made me appreciate a lot of different things in a different way. And that's one of the things I really want my readers to kind of remember because it's something that it's not just a fake mystery science fiction story. There's something real happening here. We just don't know what it is. And one of the things we did, we decided to do at the last minute, was actually put pieces of real cases in each chapter kind of Mm -hmm. off to the side so that people can read those cases and kind of see that this is very real. This is something that's happening today. Exactly. As, as we decided to, you know, make it really, uh, in the sense of science fiction, this is something that's uh, getting a real story. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm excited to be part of that. And, of course, making a hardcover makes it even, I think, you know, really uh, gives some value to to uh, what you're writing there. Yes. That's, yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to see that one because I'm sure that's going to be just as draining on me to read it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's going to be hard to read. It's, you know, it, it's like I said, it's a mystery. It's based on true, true events. So, you know, it's different from something like the apocalypse where you're like, okay, this is a fake story, even though it's really dark, you know. But, um, you know, and it's funny because I have some real people in there. I have uh, one of <laughs> – we meet at Denny's every week. We have a writer's group at Denny's every week. And this has kind of become a home away from home. And one of the servers there, his name is Oscar, and I was thinking, I was trying to think of a name for a character in my book, and I, I like to put people I know in there because they love to see their name, and I think it's just a fun thing to put in there, kind of like as a gift to people I like, I care about. And I couldn't think of a name, so the server came by and said, what's your name? He said, he said Oscar, and I said, okay, you're in my book now. And so he's one of the, the Forest Rangers in my book, and when and a couple weeks later we were working on something, and he was telling us a story about his mom, and you know I'm not going to say what the story is because it's in the book, but we were laughing so hard. And so all of a sudden I told him, I said, you know what, I'm putting that in my book because it's so funny, and I need some comic relief in the story because it's so dark. And so, you know, it's, it's a dark story, but we do put a little bit of, you know, kind of funny things in there just to kind of lighten it up because we don't want to – I don't want my readers to walk away, you know, completely depressed and, you know, hating <laughs> life at that point. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, also want them to, you know, definitely look it up and find out these things because, you know, we'll have a lot of information, at the, at, again, on the sides and at the back of the book. Uh, where to find out this about this stuff, you know? And we'll have you on again on in January for sure, probably beginning of January in preparation of this book that's coming out. And we'll talk a little bit more about a couple of specific cases and, uh, you know, get some people primed up and, and ready to watch this, be able to read this stuff. Sounds great. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'll make that happen. (laughs) We got some people. So, hey, you know, if anybody, 714-242-5145 is our call-in number. This is probably the last chance you're going to have to to talk. 714-242-5145. We'll talk about anything when it comes to uh, anything that she's written and anything that Tina's written and... Uh, anything that you know, uh, you, maybe she talked about writing, and maybe she forgot about. 
There's a lot out there. It's easy to forget. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, well, that'd be kind of interesting to do that, and then and and then you don't. But you know that 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 happens sometimes, and you can with a creative idea, and and it just doesn't gel because of you know maybe the characters just weren't there. Have you ever had that happen yet? Um, you know, I. Gosh, you had to ask me that question. (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know, I have. A, I've been really fortunate, and I think a lot of it is that I'm a new writer, and I've only been doing this for a couple of years. Um, and I, I have so much in my head right now. It's almost like when I started writing Bohemian Grove, it was as if I opened the floodgate, floodgate. And I cannot write enough fast enough. I'm always writing because there's all these characters in my head, and they're all telling their story, and they're all wanting their character story out. I think the one that I'm having the biggest challenge with right now is Creative Anu. And the reason why I think I'm having the biggest problem with that is because um, Bohemian Grove was the first book I wrote. So that's, you know, that's, there's a lot of meaning behind that for me. It's really something that's dear to my heart because that was the one that started my career. And then Sengate came out, and I was really worried because you know, the first book could be a fluke. You know, somebody can write a book and you're like, okay, you know, it, it was pretty good and, you know, well, let's see if they can do it again. And when I, as a reader, I'm always afraid because I never know if a story, if, you know, if, if I'm reading a trilogy or a series, you always, you're always afraid to keep going, but you want to keep going because you don't want the story to lose itself. You want it to get better and better. And sometimes it's really hard to do. So Sunday came out and I kind of braced myself and said, you know, hopefully – my readers are happy with this. They don't feel disappointed, and they ended up liking it better than Bohemian Grove. So Creative Art News kind of, I have to raise the bar on it. And it's the last in the trilogy, and it really takes a completely different turn from where the, the trilogy was going. And so I'm struggling with it because I really want to make sure that um, it, it's, it, I make sure that my readers are happy and at the same time make sure that I'm happy with it. And it's also bittersweet because it's the end of the trilogy and it's the end of this adventure with Carter, which is, you know, the person that started this career for me was that character. So it's bittersweet because it's the end of the trilogy. I'm saying goodbye to it. It's, you know, so there's a lot of emotions involved in it. And I wrote the ending. I'm working backwards. It's really weird. Um, so, you know, there's a little <laughs> bit of a pressure on me for that. You know, in that sense, it's difficult. But I'm excited to also end it and see what happens with it. Well, especially since you're, you're ta- you've taken back Bohemian Grove, and you're you're working on re- rewriting some of it. So uh, yeah. it's like, yeah, that's. But then again, I mean, you, you wanted to read it anyway to find out to help you to move forward. Sometimes you have to yeah. read the beginning. Well, when I wrote Bohemian Grove, I didn't know it was going to be a published book. I didn't think anybody would ever read it, and so when I wrote it. I wasn't taking notes. I had no idea that I was going to, you know, ever finish <laughs> something like this, and so. You know, and then I wrote Sungate right after that, so it was really easy to go can keep writing, and I didn't need to remember the story because it was I was still right in the midst of it. And it's been a year since, actually, it's been over a year because I finished writing Sungate in June of last year, and I've written a couple of books since then in between. And I literally don't remember the story. I have people making comments to me, some readers who are just now getting it, and they said, "What happened here?" I'm like, "Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember writing that part." <laughs> and then now I'm writing, Bo- I'm rewriting Bohemian Grove, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember when that happened." So it's kind of cool because I'm reading it now, and I get to see it in a different perspective. It's more of a reader because I don't remember what happened. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, I'm, I have to read it anyways because I don't remember the story, and I, I'm taking notes, so it's. 
it's weird. It's, I probably shouldn't be admitting, admitting that as an author, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I understand completely. It's just been a while since I, I've written the first ones of mine, too, and I had to go back and, and, and start reading those, too. So, you know, not that I, I remember a number of things that happened, but the thing is, like, uh, in what order? Because it's kind of important right. to, to know. Just the uh, well, flow, things. Like you, flow of the story. You know, yeah, like, wait, what's this person's last name? Do I ever mention it? Or um, what color yeah. is sub-character's eyes? You know, just little things like that. You just don't want to all of a sudden say this person has blue eyes because readers catch that. Readers are, you know, oh, readers yeah. are really, really smart, and they remember that stuff. And they'll they'll come back at you and say, really, their eyes changed color in the third book, huh? You didn't explain that one. And so, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to do that to anybody. Yeah. And a lot of it because they usually read one book after another. <laughs> right, that's too. Yeah, so they'll remember it better than I would. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just kind of funny how that works. But yeah, I had somebody reading the books right lately, and he said, "Oh, yeah, you just mentioned a couple of things." And I'm going, "Oh yeah, I remember that." Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> as, exactly. As, as, as if you know, says, "Oh yeah, I remember that now." And he goes, "Now?" <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it's literally been quite a few years since I wrote the first one, but I wrote them all together. Um, but going back and, and having edited them all, uh, sometimes you lose some of the things. Uh, I found mm-hmm. that that's really, that's really true. When you're editing, what what lands on the floor? Um, sometimes maybe right. should have gone back in, but didn't. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, or uh, you think yeah. it's still in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like, yeah. I thought that was still in there. And it's like, and like oh, no, yeah, I remember that. We, we took that out, you know, back in... Uh, a long time ago, and then that ruined something later in the bu- in, in the third book or in the fourth book. So, <laughs> yeah, and so you got to go back and read it in order to find out what it was that actually ended up in the book. So that way, when you're going back and editing the fourth book, uh, you're you're able to say, okay, this can't go in here, or because you already published those first books. <laughs> So you can't you can't keep it in there because it doesn't make sense anymore. Yep, exactly. So uh, anyway, what fun, what <laughs> fun. But I'm so glad to have you back again. We we'll talk about these particular books that you have coming up, and again, we'll have you back again in January for sure, maybe before then, uh, to talk about specifically about clusters and um, stuff that we know they're coming up in in uh, 2015. Mhm. We're going to be busy. That. That'd be fun. <laughs> yes, very busy. Yeah, very busy. I, I'm, I'm going to be drowning in work. So I'm actually, we're actually in the process of what turning down events for 2015 because of all the books that are coming out. Yeah, yeah. Or we're looking at it saying, okay, if we do that, then, you know, that means we we, we could do two or three things with the the cost of go, we're going with that particular one. So you have to make decisions like that. So mm-hmm. um, that's what we're doing right now. <laughs> yep. Yeah, being yeah. being a lot more selective about events in, in next year, which I think is is good because then I can get more books out, and I think my readers would prefer that anyway. Yeah, that's true. But we're, uh, I'm trying to do more uh, events because again, we're trying to introduce uh, all these you know you guys to more readers, mm-hmm. and right. I I don't feel that it's always done by you know sitting at home. So that's right. my feel about it. Um, It'd be nice and, though. <laughs> Well, you know, you you got 
you're start going to conventions and so see what's happened since then. Yeah, very true. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, I tell the people, it says you, you can't you can't do yourself justice as a writer if you're staying home. You've got to get out and talk to people and actually, you know, it does help you to uh, to hone your craft and to, yeah, how can you write about people if you're not go around people, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unless you're writing about trolls and vampires and stuff, but even then you want to give them well, some human even then they qualities. Got, yeah. Right. They took a human quality, so you know, you're still gonna have to actually get out and say, Well, they said, Well, we said we go out and actually look at people, we go out and look at people, but you need to interact. You need to you know, not just watch them but interact with them. Um and then you can write it. Mhm. Absolutely. But so well, I'm gonna let you go for tonight and that way I can go and have dinner and you probably too. <laughs> yeah, well thank you for having me. It's been fun. Always Always, and uh, so this is uh, this. Uh, well, I think our third or fourth time that we talked. I mean, I know you and I was on your show, and then you were on my show, and we've been kind of flip flopping. <laughs> uh huh. Yep. Which uh, I don't have my show anymore, so. <laughs> so. So now, now we can talk here. You know, that's okay. <laughs> so uh, with that, I'm going to say good night, and uh, I'll be obviously talking to you later. <laughs> Sounds good. Good night, everybody. So that was T.M. Williams, and you should go out and find, you know, you can still find uh, some of her books on Amazon. Uh, we will be pulling those off Amazon, actually going completely through uh, through Ingram, and then, of course, Ingram will go through Amazon, and, and uh, hopefully very soon we'll actually have some of these books available at the library. So, Definitely go into your bookstore and, uh, and you'll be able to use the ISBN or just the title along with your name and be able to uh, order your own books. So we're very excited to have all that happen. And uh, the end of 2014 and into 2015, we're really excited to see what, what blossoms. And, of course, Tina is a big part of that. So with that, k Radio. And let me see what else we can talk about here real fast. The calendar events. Our calendar of events. Nuts. It's crazy. September is pretty light. Um, you know, we're just getting prepared, obviously, for, for October and November. And, of course, obviously the holidays. But we've got, in October, the Comic and Media Expo 2014, and that's going to be in Mesa. Um, we'll have a table there. Uh, AZ Publishing as well as Web Media. And we'll be there uh, in both capacities at AZ Publishing Services. We'll have um, the books for sale. All these that we're talking about, Silent Hill, uh, Alice Hill and Silent Wonderland will be there. Um, and uh, Tina will be there that weekend. Wild West Western Festival in Glendale. We're working on uh, getting a table out there. We've got some uh, Western uh, motif uh, work that's coming out. I can't tell you about yet. Um, Zombie Walk 6 is on the 25th of October. And Kamikaze Expo in L.A., that's going to, you know, Tina's going to be in L.A. So uh, definitely look for Tina Williams at Kamikaze Expo. Uh, she will have her books there, so you guys are very available to uh, um, see her posters in here. Well, if may have posters left. Um, 
I don't know. She may not have posters left by then. So definitely get your order in now if you if you wish to get them. Uh, Tuscan is a sci-fi fantasy. That's uh, October 31st through November 2nd. And FearCon, we're going to have a table out um, for Web Media, and we'll be selling books as well at FearCon on November 1st and 2nd. And that will be when, well, way over there in the 99th Avenue area. So we're excited to be out there. Uh, and that's the end of October. The book that we're talking about, the marketing and sales um is going to be out on the November 7th. That will be hitting the market. Uh, Tucson Comic Con will have uh, all the books out there for the Comic Con there on November 8th and 9th. Uh, Scotia Romance Writers has a, um, a conference on... November 8th. We won't make it there because we'll be out of town, obviously. We'll be in Tucson. But our, our good friends are, are will be uh, working at that, so we definitely wanted to say hey and let everybody know that they can be out there and find out more information about the Scotia Romance Writers Group. Let's see. And we have Thanksgiving, obviously. Um, the Hey Girls Show, we've got the last weekend of the month or last Wednesday of the month, I'm sorry, not weekend, last Wednesday of the month, that's, uh, and we will be probably moving locations very soon for that, so, um, you know, we're going to get more information about that out, and on the third Saturday of the month, uh, I hold, I actually um, co-host a marketing publishing meetup, and that pretty basically means that I that I teach uh, at 12:30 in the afternoon. That's a meetup group. So uh, the East Valley Meetup Group, East Valley Writers Meetup Group, you you get on Meetup, um, East Valley Writing Group. Uh, underneath the third Saturday is the Marketing Publishing Meetup. That's right underneath the same group. And so uh, from 12:30 to 2:30. Um, I do my thing and teach uh, aspiring writers and authors and people who've already written, but want to learn more about writing, uh, about marketing their books. Um, I teach them all about the publishing, uh, the publishing world, <laughs> uh, deep, dark depression and excessive misery. Um, and you know, that, that we got that going on on the, every third Saturday of the of the month. As we got this. So that's about all I want to talk about right now, or all that I can talk about right now, because we got some things that are being solidified. I don't want to get certain things out of the bag. So with that, I'm going to say, oh, yes, oh, obviously, don't forget about our show every Sunday night, the next space show with Alan Joe. It's a lot of fun. We talk about the space news, uh, settling space, and the different companies that are working in that. No, that starts at 7, uh, 7 to 9 on Sunday night. Or 7, I can't say till 9 because, you know, sometimes we don't go that long. Uh, we, we say the news for the week, um, and then we uh, focus on something specific from the news from that week and talk about it. So definitely uh, on K-Road Radio, 
Next Space Show with Alan Joe, 7 p.m. on Sundays. So until then, this is KWOD Radio, and this is Patty Holstrand signing out. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.